It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. You're with us once again on Make the Dough Rise. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Brian Doe. And this is the podcast that's going to try and educate you a little bit about what's going on in the financial world. And especially as it relates to maybe your retirement goals and dreams and some of the threats and things that might stand in the way of accomplishing those goals. Well, we talk about them here on the show all the time, how to address them, solutions to the different problems that are out there. And for that guidance and advice, we turn to Brian Doe. He's a certified financial planner at Living Worth wealth advisors serving you in the lake country and beyond with an office in greensboro georgia but you can find us worldwide online at livingworth.com that's livingworth.com and brian i'm looking forward to today's episode sort of a current events check-in here as we're you know kind of in the midst of the the first quarter of the year and getting ready to kind of before you know it it'll be second quarter action and it's just kind of uh, exciting to look at what's to come in 2020 going to be a big news news year that's for sure and i know you want to kind of keep your ear to the ground on all the changes that are going on out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that uh, description worldwide. That, that, uh, I, I, I like the ambitiousness. We see the website traffic water. stats. You know, we, we know we've got <laughs> visits coming from internationally as, as your clients are traveling all over the world as well. Yeah, so. It's actually, actually very true. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just never thought of describing it as worldwide, but uh, very good. That's right. Well, what's going on in the news that's catching your eye? And, uh, and and also, as we dive into some of these things to talk about at this point in time in the year, you know, w- why is it important to keep our eye on what's going on in the news? And how are these things going to be impacting us as we kind of walk through some of the numbers and some of the headlines that are on your mind right now? Well, sure. And, and I'm, I suspect by the time that this particular podcast airs, uh, this will be history. But the uh, as we sit here today, we are a couple of days away from the impeachment vote in the Senate. I suspect you've heard a thing or two about impeachment. Yeah, it's been in the news a little bit. It's had, yeah. it's had some competition, but it's been still dominating headlines, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, maybe may, may mixed in there. You heard a little bit about trade deals or the, uh, of course, the, the big one today is the coronavirus. That seems to be uh, sweeping China and making its way around the world and, and, um, you know, that's actually gives us two, you know, we're right on the, the cusp of having these two issues to look at. And of course, I get a lot of questions. What does impeachment mean for my portfolio? Or what does, you know, this coronavirus, which actually seems to be having a negative market impact, what, what does that mean for the portfolio? And so what I wanted to do today was talk about indicators and how you can divine out what the impact of a particular event, news item, or story actually means to your portfolio. And one of the uh, things everybody likes to try and do, obviously, is predict the future. We're, we're all looking to have an edge or a way to peer into the future and, and figure out what we can do today, obviously, to take advantage, make money, or protect our portfolios from downside, all, all of those things. And so some of the things that we see a lot, I hope you don't spend too much time ingesting CNBC and squawk talk and technical analysis and, and, and all these things, but uh, technical analysis has, has been a popular technique where they'll draw, they'll draw a chart and they'll get these trend lines and they'll you know, have moving averages and all these statistical and graphical things on, on uh, stock charts. 
And really, this was something that gained in popularity back in probably the 50s and 60s. And it was really all we had. We tried to predict that, you know, if a stock moves in a particular pattern, that somehow that's going to tell us what it's going to do in the future. You know, a triple bottom means this. A head and shoulders pattern means this. And that stuff, I equate with witchcraft. It, it literally is like divining rods and uh, you know, kind of a mystical, wishful way of, of trying to predict the future. So that, and, and again, that's called technical analysis, charting. You see people drawing all these charts and talking about support levels and resistant levels. Uh, and I'm sorry, but a current stock price or a chart of its past performance tells you absolutely nothing about what it's going to do in the future. We don't know what the news is going to be. We don't know what management's going to decide to do. We don't know what competing products are going to come out. So if you think looking back at historical pricing is going to tell you anything about what it's going to do in the future, uh, you're dead wrong. So what would you turn to instead would be fundamental analysis. How are the earnings? How is their new product development cycle? What's their management team look like? How well are their products being uh, adopted in the market? And so the, you know, how much debt a company has, all of these things would categorize into the fundamental analysis. And it might be a little more helpful in, in helping you divine out what, what the stock market or stock price is, go is going to do. But you know, again, you're, you're still kind of guessing at that point. And this, this historical analysis, you, know, you can, again, look back at what a company has done or what products they've developed, what patents they've got, what innovations they've, they've made, what cycles they've moved through. But that historical data is not for sale. That is the past. That is history. So you can look at a mutual funds track record. You can look at a particular stock's track record, but you can't buy that. That is history that is done uh, and it's not, it's not going to do anything to buy based on what has happened in the past. So then a lot of people turn to analysts and this is where I have a lot of fun reading analyst reports. It, it cracked me up that people actually even get paid to do this, but they will write a report that says something to the effect of, well, you know, here's what's going on and we, we think that there could be a a high likelihood that the market could move forward and continue in this upward trajectory, blah, blah, blah. Then they will immediately hedge it with, however, there could be some factors that could cause it to go sideways or hold uh, the current pattern. Oh, and by the way, if XYZ happens, you know, it could exert downward pressure on the stocks or the market. And so I said, did somebody really just get paid probably a multiple six-figure income to tell us that the market could go up, down, or sideways. And I would do report after report, and you could just find those same three elements. And I challenge you, go out and read a, an analyst projection of a, of a stock. And somewhere in there, they will tell you this could go up, it could go down, or it could go sideways. That's pretty good stuff. Real, real deep analysis there. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, and and it's an economist weatherman. I, I think it should all just be a, a, a hobbies, not uh, not paid professions. Yeah, it's pretty but, pretty, uh, pretty wild. I, 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 I might make some enemies saying that too loudly. 
Yeah, yeah. Careful on the weather one. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the weather guys out there. So I was, I was very close to possibly being a weatherman one of these days. So well, and honestly, <laughs> I think they've they've gotten better than the economists. Now that might be a true statement. Yes, absolutely. Um, at, at least when it comes to educating people about the weather and things that are going on, uh, you know, meteorologists do a great job of that and, and go to great lengths and great strides versus. I don't know, maybe some of the economists out there aren't necessarily trying to provide some of the education on some of these things. Yeah. It's just trying to analyze and influence. It's a little bit different story for sure. Yeah. So, well, so anyway, we're, we're, we're far enough into the new year now. The Walter, I, I don't know if you've made any resolutions around weight, but I thought maybe that would be uh, a, a good one to give some people a realistic comparison of what I'm talking about here as far as indicators. Sure. After spending January sick, if you remember how, uh, you know, my, my voice sounded a bit off in the previous podcast tapings that we did, uh, being back, uh, feeling good. I'm back at the gym and yeah, I'm, I'm on board with this idea with, uh, looking at the scale and weight and trying to get in better shape uh, as many people are in the beginning of the year. So good time for a check-in on those things. Yeah, so, so the scale is a perfect place to start. If you step on a scale and weigh yourself, that is a current indicator. It tells you how much you weigh right now. It doesn't tell you anything about how you got there. You, you may well know how you got there, nor is it predictive. It actually tells you nothing about how much you're going to weigh three months from now or 30 days from now, there's no predictive value in what the number on the scale says. It is just a current indicator. So if you then maybe branch out a little bit and say, well, what, what are you doing for diet and, and exercise? Have you been eating right? Have you been hitting the gym? Have you been riding the bike or doing the treadmill? Those things, you know, calories burned, uh, how many calories you've got coming in and going out, those would be akin to fundamental analysis. So we're, you know, we're looking at some of the things that you're actually proactively doing. And if you keep these trends up, that might translate into a more predictive value of what your future weight is going to be. So scale is a current indicator. Uh, fundamental analysis, you know, what's happening with, with you situationally would be a, a sort of fundamental analysis that would, would tell us a little bit about what to expect. But again, none of these accurately predicts your future weight or, or physical condition. So much like uh, a jobs report, uh, GDP growth rates, employment statistics, these are all uh, what I call trailing indicators. So if, if you went back and looked in the rearview mirror, all of those numbers are important. They're helpful. They help us know that we're on a good track or we've we've been on a good track but they're historical and they don't they don't really tell us too much about what's going to happen in the uh the future you can now look at ratios you know price to earning ratios debt ratios uh there's there's a number of indicators in the fundamental analysis that you can look at a company and and get some idea of what their health is you know their current sales or uh market share all all of these are indicators that tell you the health of a, of a company. But yet, we still don't have anything that is a future indicator. And that is where I would like to talk about how powerful the markets are at peering into the future and actually predicting where a market, a stock, 
an interest rate, any of these factors that could uh, actually have an economic impact on you need some kind of a future indicator. And a stock market is exactly that. And so I had a, uh, back in college, I had an economics professor and he said the bank had, uh, or a bank had approached him and said, well, we'd like to hire you. Uh, maybe we we'll put you on the board and we could pay you to help us forecast and predict interest rates. And as a bank, you'd, you'd like to know where interest rates are going. And they thought maybe having a, an economics expert on hand would, would help the situation. And this was probably the most uh, honest and uh, least exploitive of an opportunity uh, economist uh, that I've seen because he said, you don't need to hire me. He said, you, you, you can get that information uh, for free. And all you have to do is go look at the futures market. There's a, there's a futures market that uh, whether it's commodities, you know, you, there's a futures price for corn and soybeans. There's a futures price for interest rates. And if you're into options, the uh, puts and calls prices and strike prices for options will give you a pretty good indication of what people think rates are going to be 30 days, six months, a year uh, in the future. Let me, let me talk a little bit about why this works. And I'll, I'll go back in uh, a time again. And, and, and actually, if you want to read all about this, there's a book called The Wisdom of Crowds, Why the Many are Smarter than the Few. Wisdom of Crowds. Okay, got it. We'll put a link, we can put a link in that in the uh, description of today's show. Yeah, actual name of the book. It's, a, it's an entertaining and uh, a good read if you want to learn more about this. But this phenomenon started back at a county fair and they had a guessing game where they had a, a full-grown, you know, bull or cow, whatever you want to call it. And people got to make a bet. It might not have been a dollar at the time, might have been a dime. But let's just say you put it, you get to make a guess for each dollar. So you can put a dollar in the pot, you can guess the cow's weight. And the person who comes closest to the actual weight of the cow would win the pot. Okay, well, now who, who is making guesses on the, the weight of the cow here? Well, you've got experienced farmers, uh, butchers, agricultural and livestock specialists, and you've got people that don't know anything about a cow. They just look at it and say, it looks like a big cow to me, and they make a guess. And the little game or the raffle went on, and you know, they went through and picked you know, who, who was closest to the actual cow's weight, and then they won the pot. Well, the, the person who had the data actually then did an interesting thing. He took all of the guesses, non-experts to experts, and he averaged all of them. And it turned out that the average of all of the guesses was closer to the actual weight of the cow than any one single guess, hmm. even by the experts. Wow. So somehow, through a collective, you know, combination of, of guesses and expertise, and, and maybe people have different perspectives and, and specialties, the average produced a better result than the best expert. So what elements had to go into that to make this, this phenomenon work uh, was the question that he asked. And, and one is you've, you've got people of all different experience levels. They're all acting independently. So this isn't a, isn't a committee. It's not a, you know, raise your hand 
speak it out loud. It, it's a privately entered guess that is uninfluenced by a boss or a committee or, or a group that you're a part of. And there's a financial incentive for getting it right. So it turns out if you combine those three elements, then you can get to a situation where a group will collectively come up with a better answer than any one individual. You think, well, okay, that, that's great for guessing the weight of a cow. That's, that's interesting <laughs> trivia. Right. You what know, about something useful? Yeah. How about something useful? Well, it turns out they have used this same strategy to uh, find a lost nuclear submarine. So, a, a, okay. a nuclear submarine last drifted off the grid in the North Atlantic. And uh, I think this was back in the, might've been the 60s. And the, the military scrambled. You've, you've got a nuclear sub, you've got you know, people on board, you've got uh, nuclear weapons on board. You've got to find this thing. So they bring in oceanographers and submarine captains and weather experts and all of these uh, people that might have some say-so or guess as to what ocean currents and uh, the dive of the submarine and the way that a, a submarine would handle in the water. All of these people might, would have different insights into where that submarine would have drifted off to. None of them were actually right. But when you averaged all of their opinions and guesses, they came within about 100 yards of where that submarine hmm. was actually laying on the bottom of the ocean floor. Wow. So practical application. All right. Very practical application. So what, what does that have to do with my portfolio? What does that have to do with stocks? Well, another interesting uh, case was, you remember back in 1986, when the space shuttle Challenger uh, exploded, just had uh, on on TV, just had all of the folks reminiscing about that and and talking about where they were on that date uh, as the anniversary just passed not too long ago. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously a, a tragic event. You've got all of NASA's engineers and scientists, and everybody was standing around scratching their head. What happened? How many years and millions of dollars did they spend investigating and ultimately discovering that it was the uh, O-rings, the, the, the faulty O-rings, and the, it was too cold, and that, that caused the, uh, the O-ring to leak, and that's what caused the explosion of, of the shuttle. Well, if you went back and looked at stock market data on the day that the uh, explosion occurred, there were three major contractors that were involved in, in the shuttle, Boeing, Lockheed, and Thaikal. If you look at the stock prices for those three stocks, they all went down immediately when the Challenger blew up. And within about 20 or 30 minutes, uh, Boeing and Lockheed were down about 2 or 3%, and Thaikal was down about 4 or 5%. So early on, Thaikal stock again, with no official reports, no conclusive analysis of what happened, Thaikal was down more than Boeing and Lockheed. Through the day, Thaikal continued to go down, and they actually had to halt trading on the stock because it was dropping so much. And by the end of the day, Boeing and Lockheed had recovered a little bit of the price drop that they had had after the immediate market reaction. 
Well, as it turns out, Thicol was the contractor that was involved in the development of the O-rings. So the stock market, what have you got out there? You've got analysts, you've got experts, you've got amateurs, you've got speculators. All of these people acting independently got to vote with a buy or a sell order. And within 20 to 30 minutes, you could argue the market had predicted who was going to be at fault for the Challenger explosion. And they were exactly right. It was Thicol. And it bared it out within minutes. And even by the end of the day, it was more conclusive. And then, of course, it took you know, years and lots and lots of research and, and dollars spent to determine that, that that was actually the cause. Well, I was going to say when you listed the three companies, Brian, okay, I've heard of Boeing. I've heard of Lockheed. Huh. Never heard of Thicol. <laughs> <So, laughs> That's right. I had yeah. a feeling if one of those was getting an axe, it was going to be that one. But uh, that's pretty amazing. So I, this is all fascinating information, Brian, but I can't help but be a skeptic and say a couple of things. One, okay, is this just coincidence? And then two, I thought we really advise against the whole predicting the future thing when it comes to stocks and investing. So can you help reconcile those things a little bit? Well, yeah. So what, what you have to do is, is take this information and look at it and say, as this information is hitting, what does the market do? And as we've gone through the whole impeachment inquiry, the market just continually marched up. And I think it is safe to say that the market was not at all concerned about the impeachment hearings, regardless of what you think about it or believe about it. Nobody had any concerned that that was going to impact the market. On the flip side, again, we talked about the coronavirus at the beginning here. And as the news has come out on the coronavirus, it has hit the market. And we've had bird flu, we've had SARS, we've, we've had these you know, threats of pandemics, and they hit hard where uh, this one has caused some traffic and, and travel and and tourism maybe to slow down. So your entertainment stocks, your um, oil and, and gas stocks, your airlines, all of those those have been hit. That's your your first indicator or or reaction. Obviously, it takes some time to play out. But just as a interesting, since we're in the throes of the political season, and uh, I think they they begin voting in in Iowa here and, and start the uh, the the primaries. There were some researchers and academicians at the University of Iowa that wondered if they could take this wisdom of crowds concept and apply it to get better polling data for elections. Sure. And so if you're curious, go, go check out the Iowa Electronic Markets. And there's actually a, a very small, but an, there's an actual trading, futures trading site where you can bet on the outcome of political elections. So you can buy a futures contract on Bernie Sanders, you can buy a Trump futures contract. And because it's independent people acting on various levels of expertise with real money at stake, and they limit you to $500. So you can't, you're not going to get rich betting on these, these futures markets, but, but they set it up where you are trading actual futures. I think one of the caveats is, is if the election was held today, the Iowa electronic markets have actually been more accurate at predicting the winners of political elections. And as you get closer and closer to the election, 
the two candidates will trade, you know, like if a Donald Trump future trades for 51 cents and a uh, Hillary Clinton future traded for 49 cents, if the election was held that day, that market would actually be more accurate at predicting the winner of the election than all of the best polls out there. So some good good applications for this, and uh, it has its limits. But basically, you can divine out the impact of a current event on the market by simply watching what the market price does or looking to the futures prices. And that's as complicated as you need to make it. Pretty interesting stuff, that is for sure. Well, thanks for sharing with us, Brian, some of these little, uh, I would say, maybe little known uh, elements to planning for our financial futures and analyzing the markets. Learned a couple of new things on today's show. So kind of neat to hear that discussion and just sort of look at some of these uh, different moving parts. Very, very neat. Uh, if you want to get more information about things like this or want to talk to Brian about your own financial plan, you can certainly do so by calling 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. You can also check out the website, makethedoughrise.com. It's just the name of the show, .com. Makethedoughrise.com. Your place to go to listen to past episodes, get in touch and schedule a 15-minute call with Brian there from the website as well. Lots of other great information and resources that you can tap into there as well. Who would have known, Brian? Vegas. They know all, don't they? Including predicting all sorts of stuff out there. Hey, the, there's something to be said for it. <laughs> the odds makers know what they're doing most of the time, that's for sure. Uh, well, very cool. Well, thanks, Brian. We appreciate all the help on today's show and uh, look forward to another one with you soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Walter. Have a great day. You too. Always learning something here on Make the Dough Rise. For Brian Doe, I'm Walter Sorholt. We'll talk to you on the next podcast. Until then, take care. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.